When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When was the last time I saw you? Too long. 2020 or 21? Two years ago, I think, to do the last the podcast episode. Yeah, you yeah. guys came here. You're, you're a returning favorite. My man. Dr. Evan Anton, six foot two, 270 pounds of man muscle, <laughs> three-time People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, host of the television show, Evan Gone Wild, I'm trying to change the name, and the author of Worldwide Vet. Worldwide Vet. Wild Vet. <laughs> <laughs> Love the promo, man. Thank you. You have so many accolades under your name. Yeah, I got a couple, I guess. Yeah. TV show host, I think, is the coolest thing that you've done. Dude, that was a dream come true, man. So that was like a goal of mine since 2006. I was studying abroad in Australia. I knew I wanted to be a vet. And then when I was there, I was like, you know what? I want to help animals like individually, like as a veterinarian. But I'd also like to, you know, do more for wildlife on a, on a different kind of scale and raise awareness about wildlife, teach people about pets and vet medicine and, you know, get people excited about wildlife conservation. And I started filming these like super, super amateur like uh, YouTube educational videos, just going out and catching like lizards and stuff out in the bush in Australia. <laughs> I was I got a rental car. I did this. I did a study abroad. There. I was there for like six months. And um, there's a big gap between your last day of class and finals. You get a month. And so I flew to the other side of the country. I rented a car, lived in it, and I just got like big you know those five ten gallon jugs of water a bunch of canned food and just lived on the road slept in the car and just went to all these gorgeous national parks and wildlife reserves and just looking for wildlife and natural beauty in the country and uh but anyways yeah long story short yeah that was a dream of mine uh, you know i did the show in 18 it was like you know almost 15 years you know that i'd wanted to do that and it was finally happening i was like on animal planet like you were the host animal planet evan goes wild evan goes wild man is that what got you the show those youtube videos I mean, no, I no, I don't think they had anything to do with it, honestly. But it was like accumulation of things that happened more, you know, rec- closer to the show chronologically. But um, you know, yeah, I think in a way, yes, because that's like where like my drive and everything started. But I don't think they saw those videos. In the show, you got to play with baboons, swim with humpback whales. Yeah, all of it, man. I mean, baby, uh, um, uh, uh. Asian bear cats, you know, and uh, oh my god, I mean, just so many things like crocodiles, big cats, like so many of my favorite animals to work with. Elephants, like it was a trip, dude. Every episode, we got to work with some domestics too. Like one of the craziest ones, we're in Kathmandu, Nepal, and we met up with this guy that rescues um, uh, like homeless cattle, and because people like so they're mostly Buddhist there, they don't believe in like humane euthanasia, and so when their cattle aren't really performing for them, they just kind of open the gates and say you know go figure it out 
and this guy rescues these, these cattle and has this little uh, ranch reserve thing in the middle of Kathmandu and we went out and we're on the back of like basically dirt bikes and one of my favorite moments was being on the back of this dirt bike with a, a calf you know across my lap and then he's driving it and then we just rescued it like, you're literally, literally superman yeah and we're then we're like you know riding out to his place and and uh yeah oh my god it was a trip dude it was fun when you're jumping on an, a crocodile's back you're six foot two how much do you weigh uh, i'm like a little over 200 right now are you scared of its turning around and snapping at you i mean i'm aware of it right so with crocodiles it's nice because Honestly, you can when you have experience with them, you know the range of motion. You know where that mouth can go relative to the body, right? Right. And so they do a lot of the side swiping business. And so one of the most important things, if you are going to jump a croc crocodile and restrain it, is you want to get your hands really right behind those jaws. Yeah, because a lot of people are asking because they're trying to jump crocodiles oh, to listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay, good. We're a big <laughs> crocodile community. So yeah, no, I heard, I heard. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so any more so when you guys are doing that, the key is. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, when I do that, like, yeah, the, the hips and the shoulders, you know, especially really kind of in front of the shoulders by the neck. So I try to sit on the hips and then control behind the neck. And so, yeah, now you guys know how to do it. And then when you get behind the neck, you kind of just gradually work your hands up over the jaws. And once you have your hands around the jaws, even on a pretty good size alligator or crocodile, they don't, they're not, they don't have the strongest opening power, really strong bite force. So are when you, they bite down. Are you comfortable and like, okay, I got this at this point? Or are you still like, anything could go wrong at this time? Like, what if he jerks a little too much? I think the scariest time is actually the initial jump onto the, I say jump, I'm not jumping on the thing, right? But yeah, when you're actually sitting down and, and grabbing it, that's the scariest moment. And once you have a secure grip around the neck, you know, just behind the jaws there, like once I'm to that point, I'm much more comfortable, but it's that first bit. Cause sometimes, man, when they, if they really snap, they can really fly themselves around and they can, that can be quite dangerous. What about when you're leaping off? The key there is, you know, don't the, be last. The most dangerous part of the animal, the the head, the mouth, is the last thing to let go of, right? So if I'm doing that, I'm keeping my hands on that. I'll sit my body up, and then kind of get ready where I'm positioned so I can back away and the back away and and take the hands off. <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> I love that stuff, man. Like that's it's. I love working with them. It's so fun to me. They're such beautiful animals. They can be a real handful, but like to me, that's it's not scary or something I don't want to do. It's like, when's my next opportunity that I can do that? Because I love it so much. When I did an episode of Shark Week, we jumped in the water during the. That's so cool. Not feeding frenzy, but they were all they were below us. Were you in the Bahamas? Or where were you? We went to Jupiter, Florida. Dude, Jupiter's awesome for that. Yes, we learned how to scuba dive here in like Laguna, which was awful. Yeah. Because it, it's so murky and you go down a foot, you can't see in it's front of you. It is. It's cold. Oh, oh a cat <laughs> just jumped on you. Then we went down to Jupiter, Florida and it was like, it was worlds above. I wish we did it in the Bahamas though, because that's what everyone was like. Oh, you didn't get the full experience. Dude, like, I was just there. And stunning. Bro. And I've done it a couple times now, but um, oh, I just got to show you one picture. I don't know if that's like not couth on a podcast, but. What's the deepest that you've gone? Um... A little over 30 meters. Oh, wow. I've got, I don't have, I'm not advanced, but when I was studying abroad in Australia in 2006, I got like um, my adventure diver, which is like halfway between open and advanced. And ba because I wanted to be able to go deep, I was looking into doing this wreck dive that was past your 18 meter or your, uh, yeah, 18 meters. Titanic? 
and um australian titanic <laughs> yeah titanic <laughs> <laughs> i literally just posted this i'm gonna show more footage and stuff but please that's like a 14 something foot tiger shark oh my guys there's a video this is you yes that's you yeah you're petting a tiger shark on the underbelly this thing looks like an actual submarine you're not scared of this oh dude they're just big teddy bears man and it, listen that's these specifically these Bahamas tiger sharks. So they're more they're chill. really used to people. They've seen so many people. Like people go down there all the time. Like the first time I went, we we, we just went down. We'd bring a bait crate like that has like chum and whatnot in it. We weren't feeding or anything, and just the smell just keeps them interested. And once you're down there and you're under the water, they can see you a lot better. They 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 can see like listen, this isn't on the menu. I'm not interested in eating you. And the, I, we saw dozens of sharks, you know, at the most we saw at a single time was a seven or I think eight sharks, actually. In All one, the size? Uh, not various sizes, anywhere from 10 to that, 10 feet to that size. You can't like do that with a bull shark, though, no? Not quite like this, because they're a bit more skittish. And it's not because the bull shark's more likely to attack you when you're underwater, but they're just more skittish. But for any of these sharks, when you're under, when you're submerged and you're not making noise at the surface and they're not sure what it is, and they're not going to, they're really, they're, I don't, it's just so rare to get bit. It can happen, but it's very rare to get bit. But these guys, they just want to eat little fish scraps, you know, so they don't look at you as food. So when this guy's swimming by me, these tiger sharks are apex predators in that area. They, have, they really don't have anything to be afraid of. And so when they swim by you, they're curious. They'll come right, I mean, they'll bump you right in the face if you, I mean, if you're not, so sometimes you have to redirect them and just kind of like, just take their little head and just show them a new direction to go. Yeah, they taught us that. The instructors made me feel so safe because they, yeah. they were, there were like four girls going down there, directing all the sharks and taking care of us. Dude, that's awesome. So did you see bulls? We saw lemons and nurse. Yeah. And reef sharks, maybe. Huh? Reef sharks. Great yeah, reef yeah sharks. and reef sharks. Yeah. Ton, those lemons are fun too, though, right? Yeah. They're a nice size. It it's was, not a small shark. It was really cool being in there. Would I do it again? No. No? <laughs> I already yeah, did it once. Would. I mean, maybe if it was, the opportunity was there. Bro, would you do tiger sharks? If I was with you. You, you would love it. Yeah. Really? Oh, bro. When you, when you get down there, it's, a, it's like 30 feet. It's a shallow dive. So you're really not that deep. You're on a sandbar. And you just... I, I take my fins off and just sit on my knees. I'll take my mask off. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take them off and just because you're really not swimming around. It's like the most mellow dive. It's, you know, wearing like a 3-2 wetsuit. So it's, it's you want to have something on, but it's not that cold. It's comfortable once you're in there. And um, God, dude, it's just incredible, dude. And the, your tank can last like almost two hours if on some of those shallower, more shallow, because you're really not that deep. So the air is not that you know under that much pressure. And right. oh my God, it's incredible, dude. It's my, I, I've dove all over the world, you know, and I, I think that's, I mean, that's for sure my favorite, like let's, hands down. Let's dive into the jungle. Let's do, man. You do silverback gorillas as well. <laughs> I've not done like personal hands-on vet care with gorillas. I thought you, you saved them or something. I mean, so, okay. So like I've uh, definitely like worked with, uh, you know, been in places and like helped raise, you know, aware, uh, wildlife conservation awareness for them and visited them in the wild. Um, but no, I've not like, I can't say I've personally had a gorilla case where I've actually had my hands on one like that, oh. but I've seen many in the wild in different countries. And are, are those pretty, not intimidating, but do you, I mean, yeah, no, it is. I mean like, so overall it's a pretty mellow ape and they're, 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 to me, they're far less scary than a chimpanzee, which is way smaller, but way more scary. Um, but they're, they're really chill. But I mean, there's times where like that switch can flip quick. I was in uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo visiting Kahuzi Biega National Park. Oh, uh, Kahuzi, yeah. Yeah. 
and they have uh, that's that's probably the best spot. You can see the eastern lowland gorilla, which is the largest of all the gorilla species and subspecies. Are they? Do they have trackers on them, or do you just go out trying to search them? They have. They don't have like a tracking device on the gorillas, but they actually have like human tr like trackers that keep an eye on them and keep tabs on them and see just kind of their movement and whereabouts within the forest of these protected reserves, basically. So yeah, they were being tracked essentially. Um, and those guys are on radio with the other guides. And um, yeah, we went out, we saw them and this big male, I mean, I think I was just, I think just being a new, he, like they can, they know people, male and female. And there's, I mean, that plays a big role into their social construct, just like a lot of other mammals and, 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 and non-mammals and species, you know? And I think I was just one of, you know, a bigger guy there. And dude, out of nowhere, I'm just like kneeling down, just kind of gently talking about him and saying how like, I think I was saying something about how like he's really comfortable with us and we can be like, um, you know, within this proximity of him and it's all good. Out of nowhere, dude, he slams this bush aside and he's looking right at me. Oh God. And I, so I, 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 I'm like, I'm talking to camera. Does and your then, heart stop? It, yeah, dude, I look back and I see he's looking at me, head down, slams his bush aside i'm like that's for me like oh <laughs> like i gotta like so i like you know i, I don't want to come off as being like showing any signs of alphaness i wish i was your camera guy you know oh I, my god i would have egged it on so much oh bro it was so i like i like try to kind of keep crouched and passive and like submissive you know posturally still, still looking at him though so, no no broke eye contact um trying to look submissive but i do kind of stand up and kind of turn away from him like trying to show like I'm not interested but kind of keeping like the corner of my eye on him oh, and then I go behind this other guide who he was more he he knew the guides like he, he he's not worried about them he's seen them tons of times and knows they're not a threat and so I kind of like am walking away and going on the other side of him and the guide like grabs my arm and keep puts him puts me behind him too and then he just the the, the male just goes on about his day but it was a huge silverback and for those of you guys listening you know silverback is um it's not a species of gorilla it's just any mature male is a silverback oh. and so as the big boys grow up they get that that gray back that silver back and they become the alphas potentially i mean plenty of silverbacks are not alphas in fact most are not alphas technically oh. there's just going to be one that is yeah. even though there's multiple silverbacks in a community or a, a group you know crazy dude that was scary that was that was that got my heart it's not easy to get my heart going like that got my heart going <laughs> <laughs> last time we spoke there was a story of you with a snake that you got uh, bit by one. Mm -hmm. Have you had any more instances where you were sting, stung, clawed, scratched, or anything where you felt nervous that you had to go to the hospital? This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app, and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no 
English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. It's the Joe Guarantee. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying. And with Arena Club Slab Packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, the only time I really felt I had to go to the hospital was... Uh well, I guess a couple times. I mean, one was, I mean, I got bit by a copperhead in the face when I was 17. I think I told you about that, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I needed an antivenom. Like, I was hospitalized. I was in there for a few nights. Yeah. And uh, I was a dumb kid, too. And so the the only other time I really need, thought I needed, like, some, a little bit of help medically was um, my freaking cat. <laughs> my cat, Blue. Um, this might have been a little before or after last time we did an episode and he saw another another like outdoor cat that wasn't mine outside on the other side of a screen door like the sliding glass door wasn't shut so he could like really kind of see this cat and smell it and all the stuff lost his mind lost his mind just i don't even think he was connected to reality any in any way shape or form so he misdirected his aggression to his best friend willie oh no who would just come up to just see hey what's going on just chilling and like willie loves blue like they love each other 
And Blue misdirected his aggression, starts slapping and hissing and biting at Willie. So I have to pick up Blue. Willie's trying to climb up my leg, and I'm trying to, like, keep Willie on the ground. Because oh. Willie's like, yo, what the fuck, bro? Like, fuck you. I'm like, dude, you know, he's freaking out. And then while I'm holding Blue, who has never showed any sign of aggression whatsoever, bites the shit out of my finger, my index finger, this finger. Oh. And, um, oh, my God, it got so swollen and infected with those cat teeth, those cat bites. They have such long canines for their size. I mean, it's only this long. But when you get a puncture of a contaminated, dirty cat mouth all under there and right next to the joint, it was so inflamed and so painful. So I, I didn't go to a hospital, but I called my doctor the next day. I'm like, listen, man, I need a prescription for, you know, a nice antibiotic. And I, I knew what I wanted to do for that. And he, he agreed, luckily. And, uh, and then I was like, dude, also, honestly, I need some pain medication. Like, I can't even think. Like, I, I've been drinking some whiskey trying to, like, get this thing to go away. And, like, I don't really have pain meds here. Like, can you please just help me out just for a couple of days? Like, I'm just, I can't even freaking think, dude. I can't do anything. My finger is just so inflamed and so painful. Um, as a practicing professional vet, you can't write anything for yourself as a yeah, human, right? Yeah, like, that would be, that'd be pretty illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think it went so deep it hit bone? Oh, I mean, if it didn't, it was within a, you know less than a millimeter from it. I mean, your finger's only so much soft tissue anyway, so your bone right there. I mean, and his fang went deep into it. I mean, it was, I'll show you a picture, man. It was nasty. Wow. When you, you worked in caves with bats. Yes. Are you worried at all about the feces in there as far as like getting into your lungs and it being poisonous for you? No, I mean, I wasn't spending like a crazy amount of time in there. And like where I've seen bats in caves, they've been pretty big open areas. And so like a lot of those gases also, they get, they're, they're kind of warmer as they're like kind of festering and everything. And so they get above the, the you know, they, they go higher up in the cave. Yeah. And so anywhere I've been like, yeah, it might be a little stinky, but it's never been like so, you know, full of ammonia and whatever. Then it's, I'm worried that it's toxic or, yeah, no. Got it. Yeah. So you have your book, World Wild Vet. What made you want to write a book at this point in your career? Because you, you do have crazy experiences. I mean, you've traveled all over the world. You go to countries that I don't even know how to pronounce. And it's just a, a collection of your s stories of your travels. Um, why did you want to put these together for people to learn? I mean, I think one of the biggest motivations was just to share my enthusiasm and get people like, I, I'm just, I love what I do and I love what I've gotten to do. And I love sharing these stories. And I feel like if people can hear it firsthand from somebody that's had like really close encounters and, you know, on, you know, genuine firsthand experiences, they can get maybe a different perception of some of these animals. Because I also love some of the misunderstood animals. I've got a chapter about sharks. You know, I got I talk a lot about snakes and things and a lot of people might have irrational fears of without really having any, you know, personal experience with. And if they can just, you know, learn a little bit about more about them and why they're important, why I love them. You know, maybe you can help change some attitudes about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that was one of the biggest things. But, you know, it's just fun to share these stories, you know. I mean, it's they're crazy stories. And like, it's fun to share what these other parts of the world are like and share what conservation's like in these other areas and what people are like and what traveling is like and how, what a, you know, it can be an absolute shit show, you know, with some of the traveling and even just some of the vet care in some of these places. So, um, it, it what, to be honest, it wasn't something, writing a book, I mean, wasn't something I was planning on doing relatively th like this early I guess in my career mm -hmm. I thought it'd be something I do kind of towards the middle or the end maybe but um I, I guess I re also realized I had a lot of stories and to be honest my agent was like no we need to do this like you have a book in you like look at all the stuff you've done like let's let's shop around like let's just see you know if it's something you're into and I was like yeah I'd love to do it so we just kind of went for it and 
it was a freaking awesome process. I really enjoyed it. What was the best thing that came out of it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, Cause you did good morning America for promoting it, right? I did. Um, maybe I did do a zoom with them. I did a bunch of, di- I hired PR even for that. Like, cause I, it's, it was the, the toughest thing was we released it October, 2020. And I had a whole book tour planned. Like I was going to be traveling all over the country, like doing in-person like readings and visits and, you know, promo and everything. And obviously, you know, that was a terrible time and I couldn't do any of it. So all the PR and press I'm doing, I wanted some help, but it was mostly just pretty much entirely virtual. Right. And so I'm just doing zoom calls here. I went to a couple studios, um, for some, some of the bigger shows, but like, yeah, the, 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 you know, promoting it was really tough. And then out of, out of all the stories in there, which one holds the, the closest to you? I mean, the Australia one, that's where I really found like my calling or at least what I wanted to do and really like honed in on like what my vision was and what I wanted that to look like. And I've, you know, I've been, you know, that, that path has been, I've been walking down that path and I saw, you know, now, you know, 17 years ago at this point. Um, so that, that one's like, that's, that's like really deep in my heart. Like that's like my core. Right. Um, and then one more, I have to say, like, I mean, I love them all. Like I really do. They're all such special things. And th- this book doesn't include so many other special things. And I just didn't, I just couldn't write it. You know, fuck, didn't make sense to write a 600 page book, but, um, is the rhino chapter about rhino conservation. So concert, wildlife conservation is different all around the world and animals, you know, and habitats are threatened for lots of different reasons. But the reasons that play into rhino conservation are really unique um, because of the the value of the rhino horn that they're poached for. And so, um, I mean, it's a war over there, you know, and there's big money going into poaching those animals and the costs and implications of what it takes to secure and protect those animals are so substantial. And when you can't protect them, you secondarily as a, as a byproduct protect everything because it just takes so much to protect them and if they're protected in a habitat everything else is for sure going to be good um and the people that are involved in rhino conservation i mean they put their lives on the line and they're so passionate about it and they risk so much to do something that they just believe is so important and so iconic for africa and important for for its wildlife and and its habitats and and um just you know the core of what africa is and so that that's that's something that I find very touching and is very special to me too. What makes the horn so valuable? Is it used for medicine? Yeah, to, uh, you could say yeah, it it's used for you know, quote unquote traditional Chinese medicine. Oh. Um and I'm not knocking on traditional Chinese medicine, but if you look back at like historical texts and whatnot, it didn't appear like it was, but now they're calling it tradition and I'm talking about 2000 years ago. It didn't look like it actually was authentic true thousands year old traditional Chinese medicine as far as I know. But they call it that now, and it's it's not. There's nothing medical it can do for you. It's it's really it's just keratin. So it's the same pro, you know, same thing, same tissue as hair and fingernails and stuff. Um, but uh, they'll yeah they'll sell it to cure impotence. They'll sell it to cure the flu. Uh, the Vietnamese prime minister said it cured his cancer, and a lot of these places that you know, people that sell it, they cut in actual medication. Oh. So this guy wants it to cure his impotence, but it actually has Viagra in it. But he thinks this rhino horn is the jam, you know, like it worked. You know? Right. So it's, it's really unfortunate. So that's that's one component. And the other component is um, it's uh, it's a status symbol. It's a sign of wealth and, and, and riches and money. You know, it's just, just it's 
I mean, we, people buy status symbols all over the world. Like every culture has their own versions of it and people like to, you know, show their stuff off, like whatever. But unfortunately, they do that with rhino horn and, and the stuff. So rhino horn, just to give you like a, a little bit of an idea, when, a, when some volume of rhino horn leaves the country, it's thirty to 60,000 US dollar per, per kilogram. And so a big horn could be several kilograms if wow. you get a whole horn. Um, and uh, the price would probably be even more expensive if that whole horn's intact and somebody wants to buy it like that. But in, in its final destination, which is Southeast Asia and Southern China, Southeast, Southeast China, whatnot, um, it's, uh, it can be up to 200000 per kilogram. So one big horn could be three-quarter million dollars, you know, maybe more. The horns never grow back. No, they do grow back. So just like keratin and other parts of other, other body or, or other animals, just like us, our fingernails and hair constantly grows. So it's, it's, that actually also makes it very unique because it's one of those animal products that is that you technically you could farm it. And not, that's not something I want to do or something that like I hoped, you know, the world would start doing. But at this point, it actually would be awesome if we could start farming them, hor- trim the horns as we do to protect them. And then uh, and then sell that and turn that into a business because if if the, the the demand it's hard for that to disappear and it's unfortunately it's still there and I wish it wasn't but it is um, but yeah it's not like tiger teeth you have to you have to you know the animal's not going to live without its teeth elephant tusks same thing I didn't even know tiger teeth was a market oh yeah yeah a lot of tiger parts are a lot the claws the teeth all kinds of stuff the fur even some of the soft tissue things and the the bladder and that stuff like that I mean tiger fat all kinds of crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a big, big reason why there's so few tigers in the wild. It's because of poaching for the parts, you know, gorilla hands, people want the hands, they want the head, they want all these different parts of the animal, uh, or they just want it for bush meat. A lot of these different species, including a lot of big primates like chimps, um, or they want to take the babies. But anyways, point being, it's one of the few that you actually could harvest if you want to say, and then the animal doesn't have to be sacrificed, but, uh, they, they just want to go and poach them and kill them and. Some people want to see blood on the horn, you know, it's a nasty thing and it's, uh, it's big money and it's just, it's a real challenge and a real scary thing to protect those guys. In your travels, what's the most exotic meat that you've tried that was native to the region? Oh gosh. I mean, I guess some weird insects for sure. Human? Um, they only do that in the Southern hemisphere. Oh really? Yeah. So like only in South Africa. Tastier in the South? Uh, no. Oh, it was more like to me. It would taste like raccoon meat, you know. Like wait, you tasted human meat? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. No, no, no. I mean, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. So no, no, I've never eaten anything. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like it's in the Philippines, and they were doing. There's this uh, croc breeding facility, and they they uh, they they get back to conservation too, as they should. Um, so crocodile, I guess. And I've had alligator. Yeah. Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you familiar with Boneyard, Alaska? No. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, dude. Have you ever done... I want to go there so bad. How crazy does that look? It's insane. Can Bro. you explain to the audience what it is? Yeah. So, okay. I learned about this this guy on uh, I was, uh, J- the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. Right? And so that's, that's the Joe. first time it sounded like... He, yeah. 
And for I, it sounded like that's the first time he was doing talk to anybody big about it. And this guy has like a relatively small geographic area. Isn't like what's it, a quarter, like a half a mile or something, or a mile or? He bought it just to live. Yeah, yeah. This guy, he was in he was in oil or something or in Texas. Moved to Alaska, bought a piece of property, and on the property is thousands. Thousands. They've gotten thousands of all these different prehistoric animals that actually they didn't think they would find there. We're even in Alaska at yeah, all. Like not even close. Like not even close. Like all these, a lot of woolly mammoth um, and all these, some other big ma- mammals. You have like saber tooth tigers. Yeah. He's Jinx. Good. Yeah. You want me a Coke? Kiss? What? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it looks just like because you know I've got a I love bones. We've done silly videos. Yeah, with you're some the, of my boner guy. the boner guy. The boner guy. The boner guy. Boner is a bone lover. Bone lover. For those boner. I, oh my god, that was fun. I want to I want to bring that back. But um, it looks freaking amazing, dude. Like what a trip. I mean, could you? I'd I'd be so stoked if I found any intact big, like imagine finding a mastodon radius, or like a humerus or a femur or like just some big ass like. I mean, oh my God, that'd be such a trip, dude. And so it's all right there. All these skeletons are fully intact. What were they doing there? Did they all die there? They dude, were just living there? It's, it's a mystery, right? I mean, it's, it's, I don't, because it, like the fact that they're fully intact makes you think like, okay, they, they probably weren't washed there, you know, like by what moved by water because the ant, they're all intact. Like what got them all there was so there's some huge crack in the earth and they all like, I don't know. I don't get it, dude. I do. I, it's some weird thing. Or it's aliens, right? Right. Aliens do all the weird. They did the pyramids. They, you know, they, they did the boneyard. They bring all They're like, we're going to fuck with them. Uh, take all these animals from, you know, Eurasia or whatever. And we're just going to throw them here. But the, the all the animals there must have died, like, almost instantly, right? I do, do, yeah. I mean, because they're all fully, if they are, they, they are mostly fully intact, right? They're like A lot of them are fully right? intact, full skeletons. Like, they're not like. But crushed why, and broken still, why was there so many and it's not like you go back to prehistoric times i'm assuming these animals aren't just like shoulder to shoulder with each other like with how biodense it is you know like but yeah i mean it, that, yeah but it's fair to say yeah Did, it probably was something that was pretty quick have you ever done dinosaur excavation no it looks so, awesome that's your next tv show actually okay you know what so one of my buddies um who is uh he does a lot of underwater photography he's a captain and he actually he this this is kind of funny he's currently right now in alaska he runs boats and he's he does he's a captain for this company that does like uh, tourism and they go out and they look for orcas and all kind of you know sea otters and he had a crazy viral video of a sea otter that jumped on a boat trying to avoid a wait, shark was that it? or an orca an orca or something or maybe it was a seal that was your buddy's video Dude, he had this super viral video like six or seven years ago, and I think it was a sea otter that jumped on his boat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's him. That's him. Yeah, I think he was avoiding an orca. Yeah, dude. It was something crazy like that. I can't, I feel terrible. I feel ridiculous. I can't even remember it, but it was such a cool video. Um, so John's his name, and he, we were going on this dive trip, and we had to bail on because one, one of the two boat engines failed, and we were outside of Coast Guard waters. So if we failed... And we're, we're, we're out of that. Like, we're kind of, we're, we're not in a good place. You know? So they're not going to save you? No. You got to be within that radius or within that distance or whatever from the shore, basically. Um, and the Bahamas doesn't have anything, you know, quite like that. So we, we, if the other engine pooped, we'd be kind of pretty fucked. So we ended up instead going to 
the Peace River the next day. And the Peace River is this river that runs across, you know, that part of uh, like southern Florida or whatever. And we went to the spot that is literally riddled with mineral like fossils. Like we found all these shark teeth. We found some megalodon teeth, man. Wow. Yes, bro. And like that tells us that, I mean, you're getting animal parts that were at least, they couldn't be any less than 4 million years. And then you get newer as well. So we're getting like, we found, I found some, what I presume are mastodon part of the carpal bones, like the wrist bones. Found a bunch of dugong ribs. You know what a dugong is? Is it like a whale? Uh, no, it is a, it's a marine mammal. You know what a manatee is? Yeah. So the dugong is like the um, Australia, Southern Pacific version of it. And they might be in other oceans too. I think they're actually in the Indian Ocean too. Um, in Africa too. Yeah, they are. Um, so it's, it's like a manatee. So they, all these fossil, you know, mineralized dugong ribs, a lot of other shark teeth. We found some shark, tiger shark teeth, bull shark teeth. Oh, we found some really old shark teeth. Another species that's actually even older than a, uh, a megalodon. Um, and then he found what looked like, I think, a, a wolf molar or premolar it was it was really beautifully intact it was really nice and all kinds of other stuff i mean i literally brought i shipped myself home like two like boxes i mean i, I brought home like 150 bones parts and parts of bones it was just awesome so i guess i've done that is a, a situation like jurassic park real where you can take the dna of an animal that's extinct fill it in with another animal that's on this earth like an elephant have you seen do you know forrest galante yeah they're bringing back woolly mammoths on a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. island. That's what I was going to say. So that's possible. Yeah. It's I mean, happening. That's, it looks like that's what, I mean, it looks like it's possible. It looks like it's possible. I mean, technologically, it seems possible. If they have intact DNA, I mean, it seems like that's something they could do. That's crazy. That's crazy. And just to close it out, what's one situation with an animal that you felt almost an out-of-body experience where you were like, I can't believe I'm here. How did I get here at this point? Because I feel like so many people relate to you as running around the neighborhood, going out in the woods, trying to catch different bugs and uh, geckos, lizards, maybe they see a snake. That was you. (laughs) And you made it your career. You're this incredible, you're a practicing veterinarian, the show, the book. You've done so much. What's one situation that just really makes you feel like you made it? I mean, out of body, I've had a few of those in the wild, like you're by yourself. And, um, God, that's a great question, man. I've got like a few things floating around. Um, I mean, one of the biggest, like, full circle, like, holy shit moments was the first time I was on uh, a big uh, TV show at the time. So, Chris Jenner had the Chris Jenner show. I can't remember the exact name. It was like the Chris Jenner show, something like the like talk show. Um, and they reached out and I, I didn't have much to go off of media wise. I don't recall how they found me. And they're like, hey, we'd love to have an animal expert guest. Would you come on? And so I was like, cool. And so I had six animals. It was like two segments. Like I was on TV for 13 minutes. Like to this day, it's still one of the longest I've ever been on a talk show. That was a long time. Um, and so I first come out with this baby kangaroo and I'm like pretty shy and I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. Like all these cameras, I'm on the studio set. Like this is nuts. There's a live audience. Like it was like just kind of crazy to me. And then the next animal, I had a kookaburra, which is the, the, you know, the Australian bird that That was terrible. Can you do that sound one more time? (laughs) 
I feel like I'm in the zoo and I hear it from like three. Uh, that was bad. I can't. I have to like hear. I'm dude. I guarantee you've heard it. It's like this big kingfisher looking kind of bird. I I'm sure I, that is. It sounds familiar. Yeah, there's this big Australian kingfisher thing that has this really iconic call. Then I'm not good at impersonating. Um, I can do some other animal noise, but I guess not that. So, um, and then the third animal was this like seven foot alligator, and the a couple of the handlers bring it out to the stage, and they just set it right on the stage, and I stand up. I'm like, all right. So I go and jump this thing to restrain it. And like right when I sat down on it and I've got my hands, you know, I'm holding its neck and just, you know, restraining it, keeping good hand on it. It like hit me. And then it was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like that was 2013. So it was only seven years after or whatever or uh, what. Yeah. Seven or so years after, you know, when I realized that was what I wanted to do. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm here. Yeah. I'm looking at cameras. I'm looking at a live audience. I'm on this set. I'm on Chris Jenner's show. Nene Leakes, who was she's one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. She was hilarious. I love Nene. Dude, she was so funny. She ran off the stage. I'm like, oh, my God, like this is real. This is freaking crazy. And then like then my energy came and like if you see me with the kangaroo and I'm all shy compared to me with the alligators, like two completely different people like it just hit me and it was so just amazing and wild and cool and crazy and um it was really fun to be able to like share my passion and some information about these animals in this way on this fun show uh that that was a big moment and then like other ones are just like being in the wild like i you know i for a second i thought i was like atheist and i was learning about biology because like it made so much more sense than anything religious i'd ever learned before that point you know and all that, I just couldn't wrap my head around. And then like, I was like, the science makes sense. It's all in the science, you know? And then when you get out and you're in the jungle and you're all on the other side of the world and you're hearing and smelling and seeing everything going on around you. And then you happen upon one of your favorite like snake species. And it was one of the big reasons you came all the way out there to see, you really wanted to see this gorgeous, you know, green tree pit viper, whatever. You, it's, there's something like spiritual about it. So like when I'm like in the bush like that, like I feel some kind of deeper connection that I can't explain, but I just feel so at peace and just so one and so like amazing. And it might all just be just endorphins in my head. Like obviously none of us really know at the end of the day, but um, moments like that are super duper special. When you're out there on the other side of the world by yourself in the bush, are you scared? No, like if I go, like I'm aware of what's native to, to that area. And like I'm going usually in like protected areas where there's probably not any like human conflict or like human you know gu gorillas or that kind of like sketchiness um so like not super but like yeah i mean you know the, the, i'll go out at night sometimes in the bush in southeast asia and technically yeah forest elephants are native there they can be super aggressive like i wouldn't want to stumble across one i'm hoping i would hear it before it hears me but i don't know you know so like yeah there's scary stuff and i'm trying to go you know work with or you know see or visit whatever like what could you know dangerous animals venomous snakes stuff like that so like yeah there's things to you know be aware of you want to keep your head on a swivel and and be smart and everything but i'm not like walking around like frightened like i think if i was i wouldn't go it'd be too scary like you're by yourself it's at night you're alone like that'd be scary if you're freaking out but i love that stuff i recently found out that a lot of man versus wild with bear grills was staged yeah did you know that yeah yeah, even... I mean, I might have found it after the fact, but, like, yeah, I think all of it was pretty much staged. Like Even the volcanoes that they had smoking in the background, they had smoke machines there. I didn't know that. That is what was, like, so eye-opening that they just curated this entire situation. Meanwhile, I'm going out thinking I can go live in Africa for a week. 
I mean, people do, and they could. Like, you could if you were, you know, if you, 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 you learned how. But, like, and he does know how. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy, he could do that if he oh, wanted Oh, I'm to. sure. Like, no doubt. He for sure could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's sleeping in, you know, in the hotel. at night. He's sleeping in a hotel. He goes out. They get their shots. He does his hunting or whatever he's doing. Um, but it's, um, yeah, he's not actually doing that. When you're doing your show, obviously you're educating people about the animals. Are you aware of all of this in that moment? Or do you kind of do the voiceovers in post after you do your research on the animal to like double check that everything you say is correct? And uh, after talking to the experts, like getting other people's advice and input, how do you go about explaining what the animal is? Well, first of all, everything was CGI'd. So no, you're such a liar. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, so like, w yeah, anytime, like even whether it was for the show or if I'm going on a talk show and I'm talking about, you know, these four or five animals, like th I usually, ha I mean, I have walking knowledge on them. I could talk about any one of them for sure, just from, you know, just from what's in my head. But like, uh, yeah, a lot of times, like I'll do some homework the night before and I'll be like, you know, what's, is there any new information about them or new scientific reveals or um, is there some really neat, interesting facts that I like, I really want to like get clear in my mind on, on what the story is. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll often like brush up, but I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of times where like things just happen that you can't expect. Like I, 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 I didn't know I was going to find a big ass bangle monitor on the road that I wanted to catch and talk about. So we're just going to go from there. So it's kind of on the fly. Um, and to answer your question about the voiceover and stuff like, yeah, like some of the interviews, a few of them just for more for the sake of editing and post and whatnot, I had to do some like, you know, some, uh, some on the fly, you know, interview kind of things that we pretended we were where we were. And it was really a Malibu and we pretended like we were back in Africa or wherever we, you know, the, the episode was, but that was just, that was more for just getting the story to like all make sense. And just for the flow of the episode, it wasn't for anything like fake or whatever like everything you saw was real and and um a lot of it was, you know most of it was just like walking knowledge you that's know that's so cool yeah awesome well guys go check out evan's book world wild vet do you have an audible version for those of us that i did read i read it myself oh great yeah man amazing yeah, yeah yeah cool so it's available amazon audible everywhere else yeah 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 you easily find it evan goes wild yeah thank you very much yeah of course and then we have a uh, your youtube channel coming out soon Dude, I'm gonna get back on that. I'm, I am. I'm getting. A, I'm gonna get a new laptop. I'm gonna start filming. Start producing. Hell yeah, Amazing. my man. But yeah, I do have. I do have a channel. I've got a lot of content up. I mean, if you've not seen it, you'll see a lot of cool stuff. Different surgeries, working with different wildlife, um, all kinds of stuff. Please, I mean, check it out. You'll like it. You're a superhuman. Thank you for being here. You are, man. Thank you so much, dude. This is always a blast, Joe. I appreciate it. Lightweights out. Cool. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank. My pleasure, dude. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.